0: Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. As I read from Matthew chapter 27, from verse 45, now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour and about the ninth hour Jesus cried out in a loud voice saying Eli Eli lama sabachthani that is my God my God why have you forsaken me and some of the bystanders hearing it said this man is calling Elijah and one of them At once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and saw what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly. This was the Son of God. As I've sat with this message for a while now, wrestling with what it is that the Lord would have us ponder for a short period of time, the beginning of that verse, the idea that darkness came upon the land. For three hours, the middle of, the day was turned to utter darkness. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those moments in your life where you maybe wake up in the middle of the night and it's uh, so dark, the darkness is so thick you can barely see your hand in front of your face. You ever been there? I had one of those <laughs> had one of these moments. The other week, actually, where I woke up and it was so thick. And I remember waking up and thinking, "I'm sure I'm in my room. But I cannot see anything." And so I took a couple of steps, searching for the door, doing, you know, the swaying gorilla, <laughs> looking for something tangible to grasp. And in just this split second, this, this split moment of seeking to find something, I had this terrifying thought that just maybe something was wrong. Just had this very real moment for just a moment as I was reaching out thinking, I'm sure the bedside table should be here, but I can't feel it. And I'm sure the bed should be there, but I can't feel it. This momentary time of feeling utterly lost, which led to some degree of anxiety and then a slightly more vigorous approach to finding my bearings and led to a couple of quick steps and a very, Inopportune moment of slamming my head against the wardrobe door, the wardrobe door, but at least I'd found my bearings. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, there is something about utter, complete, thick darkness that does something to the human soul. There's something about a thick darkness that if we're prepared to sit in it for a second, if we're prepared to pause and allow that moment to be what it is, as we can't feel anything, as we can't see anything, as we can't grasp anything, in those moments, those moments of utter and complete darkness, there's a very interesting question that our soul is forced to answer. And either we ignore it and we bang our head into the wardrobe and we get on with life, or we can sit in it and realise that there's something about the human experience that in utter darkness craves the light. Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever noticed that? What is it about the human soul that actually craves the light? And if we're prepared to sit in this for just a moment, if we're prepared to actually not just go on with life after we've banged our head on the wardrobe and found our bearings and moved on. But if we're prepared to sit in that moment and wrestle with that question and say, what is it about the human experience that somewhere deep, deep down longs for light? This, friends, is where the scriptures, where the Christian fulfillment of the Hebrew scriptures, where the Bible offers a profound answer that demands our attention because the Bible has a lot to say about light and darkness. The Bible would have us understand that there is much more to light and darkness than quite literally what the eye can perceive. But rather, there is something about light and darkness that has a deep spiritual Reality that has deep spiritual foundations that cry out to the human soul as we go about our existence on the earth. You see, the scriptures will talk to us from Genesis 1 that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And it says that the earth was formless and empty, that it was void. And then it says that the Spirit hovered over the darkness. And it's painting this really clear picture, right? It's showing us that there is God who is light, that there is God who is life, that there is something that outlasts time, space, and the tangible world that we live in. And then apart from Him, there is all that is formless and void. A deep nothingness. The Hebrew word for that is this word which we translate formless and empty is the Hebrew word. It's a funny one. It's tohu vabohu. And it literally means the absence of all things. Utter Chaos, where God is not. And the Bible would tell us right from the beginning in Genesis 1 that this absence of God is darkness. The Hebrew word, Hoshek, everyone say Hoshek. And Hoshek has a literal meaning and a figurative one. The literal meaning is what we translate darkness, but the figurative meaning means death, misery, sorrow. That where God is not, is death. And so have you ever noticed that the Bible would speak to us and say that when it comes to light and darkness, there's this idea that, Darkness speaks to death. But what does God do when He brings life? What's the first thing He brings? He says, Let there be light. And in bringing the light, life enters the time and space realm that he's created. And so we see that there is this deep, profound understanding that darkness and light are far deeper than what we can or not cling to in this life. It's why John, in what Julian read to us before, when he says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then he says, in Him Was light, and that the light has come into the world. (laughs) That the light has come into the world to bring life. That's John's recreation account, this summary that this is how God made everything through light. And it's this idea that we as human beings, His creation were created for light. That He gave us life. We were created to live in His light for God is light. The Word is light. Jesus is light. He is the light of the world. Life is in Him. He is the one who created all things. And we therefore are created for light. And so there's something about the human soul that craves it because God has put eternity in the hearts of humanity. That there is this picture right from the creation of the world that there is a deposit in each human being that we are image bearers and we know that we are made for more than this that there is this idea of darkness and light, death and life. And in the middle of it, it's as if there were a door that separates the light from the darkness. So we're created for the light, but there's a problem which I think we're all aware of. It's this annoying habit that we have, which is that we keep running away from the light into the darkness. We keep choosing darkness instead of the light we were made for. And this is again what the scriptures will point us to right from Genesis 3 all the way through where God has brought light that we might have life, we choose darkness over and over and over and over again. And there's this great lie that exists within our world at the moment that says since the dawn of time, human beings have only evolved and got better and better and better. But the actual truth is it's the opposite of that that we were created as image bearers, we were created to live in the light and what we see is that as we have stepped away from the light, that we have said we don't want God anymore, what we have done is we have just slowly but surely fallen deeper and deeper and deeper into the abyss, into the void, into the Tohu Vabohu, in desperate, need of recreation. It's what the prophet Isaiah would summarise by saying humanity dwells in darkness. But friends, the thing about darkness is that it has to flee the moment light enters the room. Andrew, can you come and hold this for me for a second? Maybe even light that for me. We pause awkwardly as he tries to, (laughs) it will come. Sometimes light's hard to come by. Hey! That didn't quite go to script, but that's all right. Thank you, Andrew. Let's give him a round of applause. You see, the moment light enters the room, darkness has to go. Darkness, as John puts it, cannot overcome the light and so the light that was there at the beginning to bring life to all things came into the world as john says he declares it he says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us that we, the people who dwelt in darkness, as it says in Isaiah 9, have seen a great light, that the light has come to bring life, that He has come into our darkness so we might know true life. Because since Genesis 3, we have existed in darkness, but an existence is not life outside of God. And so the sun comes and this is the message of John, the light of the world comes to redeem humanity. And it all is so amazing. For 33 years, he preaches and he teaches and he heals and he does miraculous sign after miraculous sign bending the laws of physics, not just bending, transcending the laws of physics, walking on water, doing incredible things, proving to everyone that He is the light. And it's amazing and it's incredible and the crowds are coming and it's so obvious, isn't it? This is the Son of God. Behold the Lamb who comes to take away the sin of the world. This is the light that's come again that we might truly know life. And it's incredible. Even to the point of entering Jerusalem to the shouts of thousands, Hosanna, Hosanna. The one who comes in the Name of the Lord, they're about to make Him King. It's so incredible. Until all of a sudden, he has a meal with his mates. He starts doing some weird stuff. He takes the third cup of the Passover meal and he takes the bread at the third cup and he starts breaking it. And he says, this is my body broken for you. And whenever you do this again, now do it in remembrance of me. The disciples must be a bit confused in this moment because they're like, what are you doing? That's not how the Passover meal goes, mate. And then he picks up the cup. He goes, this is the blood of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. A paraphrase in Hebrew understanding may well be that the light might come in. you do this again, drink it in remembrance of me. And then he goes to a garden and he starts praying and weeping and, and then these guys come with Judas and Judas kisses him and all of a sudden they've got clubs and they've got spears and they're not there to make him king. They chain him up. And they start beating him and they start flogging him and they start spitting on him and they start mocking him and dragging him along the ground. And then he's brought before the leaders of the day with a false fake trial. And that same group of people who just a week ago were shouting Hosanna and wanting to make him king have a different word on their lips. Crucify him. Crucify him. We sit in that moment for one second. We could say to John and say, hang on, John, you said the light has come. and Yeah, the, we didn't understand it and we rejected him, but you said the darkness can't overcome light. This moment sure looks different to that reality. Are you with me? How is it that darkness can have its day? How is it that darkness can consume light? Because we know that it it can't. Where there is light, darkness cannot have mastery. And so what is with this moment? What is with this day? What is with the cross? What are we to make of all that is going on here? This hour that Jesus Himself calls the hour of darkness. darkness won the day. Even in this moment has the light been snuffed? For if it had, what does that mean for you in your darkest moment? Can darkness overthrow light? Or was the centurion onto something? to suggest to each one of us today that just maybe this is not a moment, Good Friday the cross is not a moment where darkness consumes light but rather a moment where light passes through darkness where darkness is transformed from a prison To a prism where darkness becomes the very means by which the glory of God is revealed. Where the sun is not destroyed but deployed that He, in this moment, is accomplishing something even before Sunday, and Sunday's coming. But even before Sunday, as Jesus' hands were pierced, just maybe light was breaking out. As Peter was weeping, and as Mary's tears were wetting the limp, lifeless feet of Jesus, just maybe something was happening to that door between death and eternity. As the sky grew dark in the middle of the day and there was confusion around, just maybe something was happening to that door between death and eternity. As Jesus shouted out, Eli, Eli, just maybe something was happening to that door between death and eternity. Church, we must realise that Jesus is the light, but He is also the door, He is the gate. He is the one through whom we pass. And because He was pierced, the very light in Him was able to pierce the darkness in us. That He was wounded so that we might be healed. That the punishment that was laid upon His shoulders has brought us peace. Because light was pierced, that darkness might be not just Impacted but destroyed forever. That the very heart of sin and death would be pierced by the light of Christ, who is and who was and who always will be. That this day that we celebrate. day that we remember is not a day where Satan wins. It's not a day where darkness prevails. It's the day where the door swings ajar and the light of eternity begins to pierce the darkness of humanity. And therefore, we have hope. And friends, each one of you, as you came in, were given a little light. I want you to turn that on right now. Signify that eternity in our hearts. This light signifies the light that you were created for, the very life that you have been given. This is you. And outside of God, of our choices that light has been destroyed but because of what happened right here on this cross because He was pierced and He was wounded His light has come to flood our darkness again and I want to invite you now to come to come to him to bring your life to lay it at his feet to take his body the bread and the cup This is where true life is found. Come and surrender. I don't know where you're at with God. I don't know how you walked in these doors. Maybe you've come here and you are full of faith and firing, and you know the light of Christ dwells in you and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. Come and just put that at His feet and say, thank you, Jesus, and take this, it's celebration and love. Or maybe... You've come in here and you've never been to church ever before. Maybe you've rocked in here and this is the very first time you're even hearing about this guy, Jesus. Let me tell you, there is life in Him and Him alone. Come and bring your life and lay it at His feet. Receive His life, take His life, take His gift of mercy and grace and walk in the light you were created to walk in that the darkness would no longer have mastery, that sin would no longer have mastery over your life, but you would walk in the power of God and the life that He offers. Maybe you're here today and you've been in church most of your life, but you right here right now, if you're honest with yourself, are as dry as a sack of old bones. To Jesus. Bring it to Him and say, Lord, replace the lamp of my first love that once burned with holy fear. Set my heart ablaze. Fill me with your life again. upon him you can stay up here you can kneel you can sit, you can stand you can pray the next few minutes is yours for our beloved gluten freeism friends, there is a little station down at the back, but come and bring everything to him who gave everything for us